Welcome back to The Logical Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Lodge. Uh, today I have with me a very special guest, a good friend of mine that I've been trying to get on here for a while, uh, Dr. Glenn Lee. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank Not you. Not used to be called in, called doctor, but yeah, uh, yeah. I appreciate it. Well, you are a doctor of? Entomology. Now, what is entomology? Entomology is study of insects. The study of insects. Yes. Okay. Yes. So how in the world... Did you decide that you were going to? <laughs> I was born loving insects. I, I just, I loved them from the time I could remember anything. And I've always raised butterflies and moths and collected and whatever. And so uh, I made the big mistake of going into it as a, as a uh, living. But uh, I did that for a while with uh, industry. And then I came back here. No, what do you mean by industry? Like you worked for like I worked a- for Eli Lilly. Okay. Yes. So crop. In their research, yes. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Their their pesticide area that they had for a while, but then they phased out of that. And so then I came back here. So you came back to Paris yes. and did something completely unrelated. Co- completely unrelated right, that, right. you know, made a good living and enjoyed right. it. And then I retired uh, six years ago and uh, decided I wanted to be Dr. Lee for a little while again. And so I taught... Uh, for uh, Bethel, I taught environmental science. Oh, wow. Yeah. And That's then I taught cool. uh, for Jackson State, I taught cellular biology, no which was not kidding. my forte or my greatest interest, but it was it was very interesting. So Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was. And you have a uh, probably one of the most extensive bug collections I did have. Did have. I donated it to Union University. Oh. Uh-huh. So people can go to Union and actually see They can this. see it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, how many specimens the, were we talking? Oh, thousands. Thousands. But I can't tell you how many. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think they use it in their entomology classes. Okay. So I don't know how intact it is right now. Right, right, right. Still, I but I yeah. donated a big, huge cabinet with with Cornell drawers, you know, full of insects to them. Wow, and those mostly you'd collected. Yes, oh, all of them. All of them. Yeah, all of them. You all had of collected. them. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. So you had given me and my family um, some Cecropia. Yes. Uh, Larva. Uh-huh. Yeah, caterpillars. They're yes. giant, yes. humongous yes. caterpillars yeah. with blue, and they were they were bright green, and then they had dots of blue and yellow. And orange and yeah, yellow. Orange, yeah. Just yeah. gorgeous. And uh-huh. these things, you told us how to raise them. You said, um, uh, we actually named a beer. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yes. We named a beer Cecropia. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, a- yes. after that. And uh-huh. so when we asked people, we said, uh, people were like, where do you get this name? And I said, well, we, we had to use moth dust. From the Cecropia moth. Oh, oh that's people, great. They, they look at this is a cloudy IPA, and they oh, look at it. Really? And I'm like, funny. no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So, but you, you told us to raise these caterpillars. You said uh, um, put them in a, I think we used like a, a cheese, big cheese, Utz cheese ball container. And we had to find cherry tree that's leaves. Right. That's their food plant. That was their food plant. Mm-hmm. And we could hear these giant things eating and pooping. Yes. Constantly. Yes, the large larvae. You Constant. can hear them chewing. If everything's quiet, you can hear if them every, chewing. Yeah, and there was, I think you give us three, three of them, maybe four. No, I think you give us three of them. One for each of the, the kids. And, uh, yeah, and so then eventually they just made this sack of goo, this chrysalis. yeah. yeah. And they just like took the cherry leaves, and they just I had, they had no yeah. idea what they were doing, and yeah. they they made this sack of goo, uh-huh. and we left them outside, and that was that. Did so, they emerge? I believe so. Okay. We 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 left them. Just to, left them. Yeah, That's we good. left them to where That's nature. Good. We took the chrysalis and yeah, left them yeah. to where. Cecropia is our largest moth by wingspan. Okay, in North America. In North America. Right. Yep. And. Uh, the uh, the larva, probably one of the probably the second largest larva next to the regal moth larva, and they spin a double cocoon. They spin a an outer cocoon, loose, thin outer cocoon, and then an inner cocoon, basically creating a dead airspace. And that that cocoon, that pupa inside that cocoon, can survive minus forty degrees. 
So that's why you had Fair told light. us when they made the chrysalis, you had I'd asked you what to do, and you said to to return it, to put it outside, and yeah. I thought that was insane. Yeah. So I was like, how is it going to survive? Yeah. It can survive forty below zero. So that air pocket, yes. creates that just uh-huh. like a just like a thermos. Yes, because these these can be found all the way to Canada. That is crazy. Yes, all the way into Canada. There's their range. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's a very interesting one that yeah. I, I I raise that every year. You raise cecropias uh-huh. every year, uh-huh. okay? Because you sent me pictures of the tiny little. Uh, I don't know what stage it was, but they were they were little bitty caterpillars, yeah, and they yeah. were striped. Probably first stage larvae. Yeah, and they were like uh-huh. striped and yeah. different, completely uh-huh. looked completely yeah. different. You're like, yeah. hey, here's the cecropias. Uh-huh. First instar larvae. Yeah, and there were hundreds of them. Yeah, they, they start out about, oh, probably a quarter inch long. So why do you raise them every year? It's just, just a hobby. Just, just you yeah. love to do it. Well, you know, these big balls are, are under a lot of pressure now, Uh by imported parasites and imported predators, that their numbers are, you know, far less than they were when I was growing up, and so I kind of just release them into nature, try to build the numbers up. Oh, that is so yeah. cool! Man. And I do that with several species. Can we of, have some uh, more this year? Yes. Okay, because my got, kids really love that. And I've got the polyphemus. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've got polyphemus. Yes. I've got io moth. Uh, don't have any Luna right now. Uh, may have a few Luna, and uh, so yeah. You the sure Luna, can. the Luna are are the iconic green that yes. people uh-huh. see with the uh-huh. teardrop that comes down. I mean, they're just absolutely beautiful. And I have uh, four Regal Moth pupa. Oh wow! And Regal Moth is our largest moth by weight. By weight. Uh huh. Right. And its larva is actually by mass by weight one of the largest insects in the world. Wow. It's, it's huge. It's probably, it's about five to six inches long. Can be as big around as a, a quarter. And it's just full of goop. Yeah, just full of, yeah, yeah basically just, full of fat. Yeah, yeah, full of fat. Yeah, so that's because what makes the it so adult moths don't feed. Right. Oh, right, right. They don't even have mouth parts well, to They feed. don't have mouth parts. The larva uh, accumulates all the nourishment that it the will, need will need to... for, the, for the pupa and the moth. And for the moth to lay eggs. To, to go to through the reproduction. Yeah. That's right. So that moth cannot eat. No. Does so not eat. So as a pollinator and things like that? No, no, no. Okay. Not at all. Very interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. So they're just interesting. You know, I've just yeah. always been fascinated by it because, you know, no other organism on earth undergoes the change that an insect does through complete metamorphosis. Right. You know, egg, larva, pupa, and adult. Right. Right. I'm shaking. The no, table. it's fine. Sorry. When you hit the table, if okay. we had the earphones on, you can hear uh, it. It's okay. fine. It's uh, fine. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no other organism does that. Yeah. That's, you know, that transformation is just fantastic. You know, from a fat larva to a winged organism. Right. You know. That then has one job. Has one job. Has one job yeah. to complete yeah. that cycle. Um, it's always good to have a friend that's an entomologist. Okay. And uh, uh, I called on you one night. I don't uh-huh. know if you remember this. It was like 9.30 at night, 10 uh-huh. o'clock at night. Do you remember this about the hornets? Vaguely? This was years ago. Maybe four no, or five years ago. No, I can't remember exactly. I think I woke you up, actually. Okay. Okay, so so uh, I, was at, I was at the brewery. And I was closing uh-huh. down, and some guys um, that were there that I didn't know, uh-huh. they said uh, I'd found a European hornet. And I had captured this European hornet. Now, uh-huh. for those of you that don't know, now he, he just his eyes just sparked. Glenn's mm-hmm. eyes just sparked because for those of you that don't know, the European hornet is this the only hornet up until the Japanese hornet's importation, the only true hornet we have, Vespa, correct? Yeah, in well, North America. Well, the the ball faced hornet. Oh, okay. The ball faced hornet is an is the yeah, true it's, hornet. Is a hornet. Is yeah. a true hornet. Uh-huh. Uh, for some uh-huh. reason, I've, I thought uh-huh. Vespa. The only Vespa we had was the European hornet. Yeah, but so. Uh, so my mistake. So, so I was trying to get these guys to uh, get stung by this European hornet, and I was saying, "Hey, I'll pick up your bar tab if any of you are brave enough to let this thing sting you." And I had actually been stung by about—I want to say—I can't remember exactly, but I want to say it was over ten stings from European hornets. Mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. hit a nest with a bush hog in a in a in an old tree, 
and these and I stopped the tractor because I saw these cicadas coming out, and I was like, "What are these cicadas doing?" And they were these European hornets because I I didn't think they were hornets; they were so big. What are they, were they aerial in a tree? They were they were in a tree stump. Okay, they had made yes, a they, they do that's right. made a nest I in a tree you. stump, oh, okay. and yeah, I hit right. that tree stump. I thought you might have the wrong one. No, yes, and I hit that tree stump with that cavity right with that tractor, and I saw these cicadas. What I thought were cicadas, mm-hmm. were these giant insects yes. coming out, and I had no fear. Yeah, because I'm like you know you're used to yellow jackets or something that's tiny. And I'm like, wow, look at those, like an idiot. And all of a sudden, one lands on my leg, and I look down, and I was wearing shorts like an idiot on a tractor, too. And it lit me up, and it felt like someone had put a cigarette out while I was being electrocuted Mm -hmm. at the Mm -hmm. same time. Yes. And after I got stung, it was over 10 times, I got off the tractor. It was an idol. I was running back to the house and vomited. It was that yes. bad. Oh, that yeah. The poisons that yes. were going through my, the amount yeah, very of venom. Painful. Very painful. Uh, it was insane. Uh-huh. So I knew what these boys were getting into. So oh, I was yeah. like, hey, you, you need to, uh, you know, whoever. So they wouldn't do it. And I said, man, I've always wanted one of those big bald-faced hornet nests. Yes. You know, uh-huh. because they're giant yeah, they paper and everything. And one of these farmers that was sitting there, he was like, I was bush hogging today, and I found one that's sitting about four feet off the ground. I said, really? And it's about 10 o'clock at night. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's just right down the road. I said, well, let's go get it. Because I didn't know these guys from Adam. I knew one of them, kind of. And I was like, and they were like, all right, let's go. So we we all jump in the car. And before we jump in the car, I call you. And I think I wake you up. And I say, hey, uh, Glenn, there's I'm about to collect a giant hornet's nest. What do I need to do? And this was right at winter. And you said, and this is what you told me. I'll never forget this. You said, um, you have to beat the raccoons because there's a raccoon that knows about that hornet's nest that is waiting for the first deep freeze to rip that hornet's nest apart to get the larva. He knows about it. He's been waiting to where he cannot get stung. They will. And I was like, that's insane, first of all. So there's this short window of it's cold enough for you to be able to go at night and get the hornets, but not too cold where the raccoons have destroyed the nest. That's right. So it was that perfect time of year. So I get led on this wild goose hunt. My feet are wet. We're going through creeks because this is – leased property that this guy was farming yada 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 i think the we were, we're over the uh uh what is that the i think we're over the the no one's gonna get in trouble for this but so we ended up cutting this hornet's nest out and putting it in a plastic bag and you told me to put it in our deep freezer in your deep freeze yes and so that's what I did. And so I put it in the deep freeze. And the next morning, my business partner, Randall, walks in with a cu- two cups of coffee. And I'm shaking this giant hornet's nest. And 50, 60 of these bald-faced hornets are falling out. That's and, it. And that's he's right. like, what in the yes. world did Some you do Some of them were overwinter in that nest. Yeah. A few of them. Right. So you got to watch. You just bring it in. You think, oh, it's wintertime or it's late fall. Right. I'll bring it in. And your house is warm. They'll come out. They're going to come out. Yeah. Right. They'll come out. So the other thing you told me was the you won't be able to hang this up because the putrid smell. Yes. And I underestimated what you had told me mm-hmm. because that smell is unlike any smell I've ever smelled in my entire uh, life. I don't so, yeah, and, I, and I, I didn't just know this <laughs> intuition. I learned this trial and error, so yeah. I, I've done this before. Right. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just intuition at yes. all. But, uh, but yeah, my once, basement once they for rot weeks. and dry up, yeah. then you're good. Yeah, but my basement for weeks mm-hmm. reeked of this very specific odor of dying uh-huh. yeah. bald-faced hornet pupa. That's why it's good to have a shed or a barn. You can put it in for a while, else. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. away from everything. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. now I have this, and it's probably the size of a basketball Maybe a little bit bigger. Uh-huh. It's huge. So, and it's in the arch of my living room, and it, it looks like it should be there. Uh-huh. We kind of have this na- nature, weird, weirdo nature look. And, and it's so interesting, wasp nests of any kind, <clears throat> you have little tiers of different colors. And that's where the, the wasp or hornet has gone and to a different type of board or wood, and they chew it, and they make basically a paper mache with their saliva, and they come back with a little ball of that paper mache, basically, and they, and they just add it 
to the they added in they in, add in, in, in lines big, yes and in, in lines and so that's why you look at wasp nests and especially hornet's nests you'll have variations layers. in color layers yes almost like soil variations yeah. in color because they've gotten that wood from a different source so they go and they deplete that the easy accessible cellulose from that wood and, and then they go and i imagine it's cellulose yeah and then they go oh, and, yeah. and and lignin say yeah 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 and they go and then get it from a different source uh-huh. and yeah are there specific trees or no, it's just like no, whatever's just readily anything, available anything that's dead and drying and, and easy and kind of kind of rotted a little bit they can chew up they can chew up yeah yeah that they can and chew up. i mean so the bald face hornets, you know, those those obviously are, are are the monsters. But the thing around here that everyone knows about, obviously, are the ground hornets, the yel- the infamous the yellow, yellow jackets, jackets yeah. which yeah. just uh, yeah. I cannot it's, weed whack basically a, without finding a terrestrial it. hornet. You know, basically right. it's Vespula, I believe, but uh, it is a Vespa. It's okay. a Vespulid, Vespula, okay. I believe. Okay, I have to look. Okay, but yeah, just a small hornet. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Chickasaw would dig those up and make a soup out of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of out of the larva and out the of the insects actual... are very edible. They're yeah. the, the staple of a lot of uh, co- countries' diets. Right. Yeah. 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 There, and there's a big push in the Western world right now that, to introduce insects. Uh-huh. You know, especially uh, cricket meal. Uh-huh. Things of that nature, high protein. Well, I had know. this odd professor, old professor at Clemson, and. He had a party one night for all the entomology students and their wives and whatever. And he had insects <clears throat> as far as their, his hors d'oeuvres or whatever. And he might, you know, he had uh, chocolate covered grasshoppers and, you know, fried <laughs> grasshoppers and chocolate covered ants. <laughs> and he actually made a dip out of maggots. Oh my! That he reared from a, a sterile medium. Right, right, right. Yeah, he didn't rear them on manure. Right, right. You know, on a sterile medium. Oh my! But I didn't. I didn't eat very much that night. Oh my goodness! Uh-uh. No, That's wild. I didn't. Can't make myself do that. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a psychological. I think honey's about as close as. I'm yeah, 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 and you get the ground up. I forget what that's called, where they grind it up. Um, uh, ground up honey. With the comb and the bees and the whole thing. Oh, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. But, yeah. But, you know, you're talking about hornets, and that's a whole, you know, you can talk about one insect and talk about a whole, getting into a whole uh, world of, of different subjects. But, you know, the hornet's uh, main food source? No. That they feed their larvae? Flies. Interesting. So, see, there's, there's your checks and balances, which nature has. Hornets feed on flies. Right. Yeah, now yellow jackets they'll feed on most anything they like. Uh, they like uh, lepidopter larvae. You know, it's a big source. And and Polistes wasps is is mainly, in fact, probably solely caterpillars. Wow. Yes. So you know, and, and I I find this very interesting too. So are you familiar with Batesian mimicry? Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. Of, of course you are. Okay, let me, let me rephrase <laughs> I this. I think I've heard of that. Let me you rephrase know, this. I'll let let me, me look that up. Let no. me rephrase this. Yeah. For those yeah. of you that don't know what Batesian mimicry is, <laughs> <laughs> the entomologist in the room obviously knows what it is. Uh, so Batesian mimicry is essentially where animals w- will mimic other animals um, because those other animals that they're mimicking are typically poisonous or they typically right. stand out or don't stand out or, or That's right 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 um, and this More was aggressive and this was first noticed by an entomologist in uh, the Amazon yes observing uh-huh. butterflies yes right so certain butterflies I, I think were, his name was Bates I believe his name was <laughs> I believe his last name or first I'm not sure don't don't Wikipedia that one on, don't Google that one on me but so he 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 identified certain birds eating certain butterflies. Yes. Correct. Uh, so, and, and then why wouldn't they eat right. these butterflies? Well, these were poisonous. Well, these look like the poisonous ones, so forth and so on. I always find that very interesting. Side note is that we have in Land Between the Lakes a scarlet king snake. Uh huh. So, but we don't have a the coral snake. we don't have the coral snake uh-huh. it's from which it's mimicking. Uh-huh. So it actually makes this animal stand out and more predated. Yeah. More predators eat this animal because it stands out and there's not a poisonous look like in the area. That's right. Than if the scarlet king snake were in the coral snake's habitat, it would yeah. be less predated. Basically, if you see something red and black and yellow or red and black and white, just leave it alone. Right. 
unless you're an LBL, <laughs> yeah, because we don't have the core. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're and you're a coyote. And yeah. You're hungry. Yeah. You're like, hey, this thing is it's standing out. Yeah. But there's uh, there's colors in nature, especially in insects. Uh, the fancy name is is aposematic, but it's they're warning colors: red, yellow, bright blue. Uh, you know, generally bright orange. Mm-hmm. And generally, if a, if an insect is that color, birds and whatever don't eat them. Right. Because there are too many other things that are poisonous mm-hmm. that they look, they look like. Right. So those are called warning coloration. That's warning coloration. So in Batesian mimicry, you if you are not a poisonous animal, it would be in your best interest to mimic a poisonous yeah. animal to, as, as a means of protection. Yes. Yeah. There's a... Uh, Species of butterfly, Papilio dardanus, in Africa. The males all generally look like a swallowtail, mm-hmm. just a general swallowtail, yellow and black, you know, with tails. But in each area that they are found, the females mimic a certain poisonous species of butterfly that is in that area. So oh, the females wow. are all different. In different locations. Oh wow! But the males all look the, about the same. Interesting. So yeah, yeah that, that you get in. Yeah, that's just a. I, you know that that that. Okay, so that's jogging my memory about something else. So we raised some tobacco from seeds, various different. We did about forty plants, uh, I think six or seven varietals, and we processed it all these different ways. Mm-hmm. Made pipe tobaccos. We fermented it for cigars. Did all these different things. Smoked it. Did all these different things with the tobacco. But what I found interesting was the tobacco hornworm looked almost identical to the tomato hornworm, mm-hmm. with the exception of the, the stripes. The color of the horn. Right, and, and the color of the horn. Mm-hmm. But the stripes were, you know, one just was horizontal bit, and one was a little yeah, bit jagged. a little jagged. bit different. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit different. Uh-huh. But the moths didn't look anything alike, in, uh, in my opinion. Well, now, they, they do a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I just one found, has fewer yellow spots than the other. Right. I just but I, they're, 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 pretty they're, they're pretty close. They're yeah, pretty yeah. close. Yeah. They're pretty close. But they're eating completely different food sources. Yeah. In the same family. Gotcha. Tobacco and tomatoes are in the same family. So Solanaceae. Solanaceae. Mm-hmm. Huh. For some reason, so they're in a nightshade? Mm-hmm. Oh, Solanaceae. Oh, yeah, nightshade. I'm, See? I'm putting so, this together. I'm putting yeah. this together. Okay. So that's, yeah. But Sphinx moths you know, feed on a wide variety. There's so many species. Right. So, so anyway, yeah. I paid my kid, um, 50 cents a hornworm. He was like four or five at the time, um, to pick them off, you know, and then mm-hmm. I'd get home from work and then I would dump them out of this container and we'd count them. Mm-hmm. Well, one day I came home and there was just halves of the worms. So he's trying to get, yeah. du- you know, he's trying to get his double paid. Yeah. I said, what happened, bud? And he was like, well, um, the dew or something, when I went to pull the worms off the tobacco, they held on, and so they split in half. Yes. And I said, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that before. Let's yeah. go looking. Yeah. So I went and got my flashlight, and we couldn't find it. You know, we couldn't find a single half worm out in that garden. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, he, he said, Dad, I have to tell the truth. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, goodness gracious. So he had split oh, them all in half. To, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. It's hard to pull worm. those things apart. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. yeah. So he was getting double paid. Yeah, well, I'll yeah. something drives me crazy when I'm, I'm doing a demonstration, you know, at the wildlife refuge or wherever, right. and I have my nice, big, beautiful royal walnut caterpillar. You know, that's that's five inches long and has the big horns, you know, right. coming off of its thorax, you know, and and somebody and you know, I'm showing people and they'll say, I have those on my tomatoes. I'm going, No, you don't. No, you no, don't. No, you don't. No, no. This <laughs> I've tried to open things up to you, you know, yeah. and, and everything open is the world something of, on your tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> as far as animals are concerned, insects there's more insects than any other animal. Oh, by far. By a Oh, there's there's Yeah. There's probably well, there's been about a, over a million species of insects identified. Which means And some some people some, some scientists estimate that there could be thirty million species. Right. right. We just haven't identified them all. Right. And to to show you how much how many insects there are in the world by biomass, 
there are more ants than human beings. So if we weighed all the human ants beings. Ants alone, one family of, of insects, Formicidae, there's more ants. If just you by mass. Them, yeah. By mass, by weight. Uh-huh. There's more ants than humans. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's phenomenal. And, and you know, I, I, one thing that's always interesting to me that, you know, nature, of course, nature is a series of checks and balances. Of course. You know. And it's brutal. And, and, we, <laughs> and we interrupt that. Right. We disrupt that. Yes, we're the only our, things that really by can our do monocultures, that. Right. And whatever. Right. You know, we provide an unlimited food source. Hey, insects are going to take advantage of that. But to show you how checks and balances, and you know, predation and parasitism all enter, all work into the food web. If you took one pair of fruit flies, and that fruit fly can produce a hundred eggs, and it can have 25 generations a year. Wow. And generally the fruit flies are, you know, when they, half the eggs are male and half the eggs are female. Mm-hmm. And if you let those reproduce to their maximum, you know, nothing dying, every, all that first hundred eggs, mates. Right, and so forth and, and so on. Another hundred, you know, right. from each one in a year you would have a ball with a diameter greater than the distance from the earth to the sun. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's how big that mass. Right. If you said like a thousand fruit flies per square inch. Right, right, right. You would have a ball. <laughs> you would have a, 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 a yeah. sphere, a yeah. ball. With a diameter from the sun to the earth. And this reproduction capability, for those of you that don't know, is why Mendel? Was it Mendel that was the fruit fly? I can't remember. For genetic study. Oh, yeah. 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 Is why the fruit Mm -hmm. fly has been studied because of how quick it's reproduction, how we can get into multiple, we can get to 20th generation within a year. Easy to to grow in the lab, on medium and whatever. You can study different variations. Right. You You can order different. Eye colors and chromosomes. Variations and and vestigial wings and red eyes and whatever. And some of these are, I imagine, pretty pricey because they're. Probably so. Owned by certain bio probably. And, yeah, probably. Because I've I've had, heard some of the lab rats done can, that in a while. Lab lab mice can be thousands of dollars. Oh yeah, you know they have a special trait. They have a special trait mm-hmm. or whatever it is mm-hmm. that they're studying. Yeah, I, I, that's just uh, yeah, that's a whole other facet of yeah. of the human condition. So, that so is that's bizarre why <laughs> that's why nature is just it's basically a series of checks and balances. Right. When you were talking earlier about the. Um, the coloration for insects kind of being a warning system to other animals. You know, me as a amateur mycologist, I, I, yeah. I, I don't find that at all in mycology. Well, uh, I don't find that at all in mycology. There, there oh, is no color. Yeah, yeah some no, of the most edible no. mushrooms are the most beautiful no. coloration. You know, indigo yeah. milk caps uh-huh. and chicken of the woods oh, yeah. and chanterelles <clears throat> and yeah, yeah, they're like the most beautiful, color, yeah. vibrant colors yeah. and brick cat bolites and things like this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. always, I don't know where the cow. I'm always finding mushrooms and taking pictures of them and sending them to Jonathan because they're so fascinating, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they're, like you said, so many colors and shapes and whatever. So, our, so he <laughs> always tells me what they are. Yeah, Our relationship consists of me sending you pictures of bugs, bugs? and you that, sending right. me pictures that's of it. mushrooms. So you, you told me uh, a couple years ago, and we had so much fun doing this, and for anyone listening that, wanna, that wants to do a cheap – a fun, real, honest-to-God science experiment with their children, um, we did a bug catch. And it was so cool what you told us to do. So we got a black light, which was like 12 bucks at Walmart, and we set it on our front porch, and we took a white cotton sheet, and we pulled it kind of taut, up, up at the top, and we shone the black, light, the black light on it to where it illuminated the entire sheet, and then we waited, and we would go out every 30 minutes, and there would be bugs that would have attached to that sheet, and it, you're not harming the insects, and but you're able to see, and man, after like two or three hours, we're talking like giant moths, mm-hmm, giant mm-hmm, beetles, mm-hmm. I mean, some things that have been attracted yep. to this ultraviolet light, 
And we had so we we did the glow sticks all over us and everything too because oh, yeah. we, we were yeah. having so much oh, yeah. fun with it. And uh, I had, we ended up building this cone device um, out of um, like poster board and hung the black light to where we caught all the insects at the end of the night in the bucket, and then we dumped out the bucket in the morning and we kind of went through them. Of course, they all you know scattered, scurried away or whatever. But it's really neat. We, I mean, you know, rhinoceros beetles and things that you would just never see. You, they're so rare to find. Yeah. We set essentially a trap, and for a little kids and, and and little kids like myself, it was so fun. Oh, I'm going to build one before before next year. A better light trap, you know, a metal funnel, right, you know, with a cage, right, and whatever, and we'll we'll do it again. Ah, uh, a little bit better. Yes, yes. Because yeah. I, I have a an old mercury vapor light. Oh, you know, not wow. not the new ones, right? But the mercury vapor that has the wavelength that insects are attracted to. Gotcha. And I'm going to mount that over a baffle, a a, a yeah. baffle where the insects will come in, hit that, go down in the funnel, and have a, a have a you know like a, a ra- like things you you put over like for raccoons, you know, keep right. raccoons keep them from coming out, right? And have them come in a go drop in a cage, right? Kind of like so, those old crawfish yeah. traps. Yeah, yeah, the funneled yeah. traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, and, that's and too cool. And it's so interesting. Different times of the year, you'll catch different insects. Right. Because, yes, you told me that too, yes, which I because, thought was very interesting. You know, every insect has their life cycle, and every insect has their small period at which they're adults and are flying. So we have some so, right now that are out? No, not right now. Not right now. Not so, flying right now. So, we're, but we're talking uh, from spring to late yes, fall. Spring to late fall. We're gonna catch pretty much if you know if I took like a four week window, I'm gonna catch different every four week window. There's gonna be something that's emerging. That's that's right. Uh, roughly, yes. That's roughly how the cycle goes. I find for mushrooms in the yeah. same cycles about a four weeks for the yeah. chanterelles, four weeks mm-hmm. for whatever. Yeah, the boletes come out in that time frame or whatever. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me that, yeah. that insects yeah. would do the insects, same. Insects, whether they have complete metamorphosis, where they only have a wing stage for a short period of time, or are incomplete, like like leafhoppers and, and bugs, tree right. bugs and grasshoppers and whatever. Uh, but, but all of them will have a period of time where right. they're adult stage, you know, where they mate and lay eggs. So, so, um, all oh, that's synchronized. And I am, I'm, I, I know where I'm smart and where I'm not. Does entomology c- cover arachnids? No. It does not cover no. arachnids. No. So that is a complete separate. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, when you study insects, though, it's you're automatically going to cover arachnids. Right. 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 You know, but I insects, mean, they're all there together. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. And yeah. so, uh, so yeah. So when I, when I did a study at, in, at Clemson, uh, uh, on peach trees, I collected everything. And, uh, of course, a large portion of that was spiders. Mm-hmm. And I would send those off to get identified, the, you know, the ones I couldn't identify. Right. And right. Uh, even that, with just that study, just that short period of time, I send them, sent them to a Dr. Knutson at, uh, I believe he was at Cornell. Mm-hmm. And he kept some because they were new species. So, so even so at that point in there, time, there's new he, species yeah, yeah. out there because they're so small and yeah, so, that's right. And they're so nuanced. Yeah. The oh, difference yeah. between this species and that species. Seventy-five percent of all species of insects are less than six millimeters long. Whoa! Let's repeat that. Seventy-five. Seventy-five percent of, of all, all insect species are less than six millimeters long. Wow. So we're talking a baby. Because you've got, so, you know, even in a, your backyard, yeah. you know, in a square yard there of your backyard, you've got thousands of insects and in, in many, many, many foot. species right. because they're fitting these little tiny things. The smallest insect is like a quarter of a millimeter wingspan. It can fly through the eye of a needle. Wow. Yeah. You know, and wow. so you've got that extreme, you know, from, from that tiny little insect, little mites, a little wasp, a little parasitic wasp. To the largest. Largest, the longest, which are your walking, walking sticks, sticks, you right. know, which are, can be two feet long. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, so, forgive me, centipedes. Centipedes? Where, where, they, where do they fall? Oh. What, what's, what, what family are these in? Oh. Arachnid? Oh. I know they're not insects. 
Calopida, uh, centipedes. Uh, oh, I can't remember. I had a, a blank. I had but called, I know the, the other sure time I called I, you. I know it about as well as I know my name, but I can't tell you right now. But yes, <laughs> the other time they're, I called you was in one order. Right of of of, 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 of of arthropods. Right, right, arthropods. Thank you, thank you. I could not think of arthropods. Yeah. So I'd called you because I found a seven or eight inch long giant red-headed centipede yeah. in Arkansas. Oh, and oh, we yeah. kept that thing as a pet for the longest time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And how it ended up dying was, and I, had, I did not know this, was we its substrate wasn't moist enough. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's that's how it, it got its... So we kept a water dish and we fed it and we would watch this thing eat. And let me tell you something. This thing was a brutal brutal efficient killing machine uh-huh i mean uh-huh. mice uh frogs lizards now, this was a millipede no this was a centipede this was a red, centipede. red-headed centipede oh the red okay giant, okay giant okay with the big, eight inch long the big jaws huge yes. jaws oh those are neat yeah i've got a video of me holding it and uh-huh. i didn't realize how painful the sting was oh, yeah. until after i talked to you yeah and you said, "Be careful. That's the most one of the more painful stings in North yes. America." Yes. And what I mm-hmm. c- c- come to find out was, it is magnified by their size of this particular mm-hmm. the redheaded centipede. So the larger the redheaded centipede, yeah. the more painful yeah. the yeah. <laughs> the sting. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know what the most painful sting is? Uh, Have you heard? Have you heard in in North America? Yeah. Uh, is it the cow killer? It's what that's one of them, the, the tarantula hawk. Tarantula hawk. I've, I've heard that tarantula hawk. Mm-hmm. The other one. Now, do we have true tarantula hawks oh, yes. here? Uh-huh. So, okay. Oh, I've yes. cicada killers? Yes. Is that a tarantula hawk? No. Okay. Just Different family. Different family. Okay. Mutilid. Uh, 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 the cow killers are in the family mutility. Oh. And there's a lot of species. The cow killer is our largest species. So the cow killer, for those of you who don't know, they, they look like a tiny red velvety well, they're, furry Well, they're ant. over an inch long. Yeah, but people see them and they think they're an ant. They're an ant. It's, yeah. yeah, people they, look they, at them and think they're an ant. Yeah. Let me tell you right now, you could put your full body weight on those suckers and you won't crush them. They, they are, they, they are I, so I just, strong. When I collected them way back, now I just pretty much watch them. Yeah, uh, they're interesting to watch. It's almost impossible. I had to get pliers to get the insect pin into the thorax. No it was so hard. They are. I'm yeah. telling you, if you try it's to very hard. crush one, and you're good luck. And, and they make a noise. For a purpose. Yeah, they, they yeah. have a little yeah, stridulating noise. Yes. Uh, it's called stridulation. But, uh, stridulation. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, it's a wild sound. <laughs> but uh, they're hard for a, a reason. Because of their life history. They are actually parasites of the large cicada killer wasp larva. They actually, they're searching. You see them on the ground. Yeah. If you look at them close, their antennas always Constantly. moving. Oh, they're always they're, on, you Yeah, know, they're interesting never, to watch. Never they never stop. Yeah. They're searching for the burrow of the cicada killer wasp. Which is itself That's a pretty, parasite. Uh, uh, yes. Which is itself a parasite. Yes, yes. Of the cicada. Uh huh. So, yeah. Okay. So, the, for those of you that yeah, don't know, a cicada you know, killer wasp. Parasitoid is, is the gets a term cicada. that's used in entomology because parasites pa- parasit- don't kill their host. Parasitoids kill their host. Parasitoids. Uh huh. Okay, so you're saying that the cow killer is a parasite. It, yeah, actually, parasitoid. A parasitoid. Uh huh, because uh, it kills it the, kills the cicada killer larva. wasp larva. larva. So those of you that don't know, this this wasp, it pulls uh, a cicada into its burrow. It lays an egg. It's paralyzed the cicada, so the cicada is still living. The egg hatches. It eats the living flesh of the cicada as mm-hmm. it's still alive. Mm-hmm. Brutal metal. Yes, it's it's paralyzed. Super brutal. Yeah, paralyzed. Yes, it's being yes. eaten from the inside out. Uh-huh. It becomes a larva. And then this cow killer, you're telling me, then finds this larva, mm-hmm. lays an egg in the larva, and, and then its babies hatch and eats the larva that is yes. too uh-huh. great. So does, it, does, it is there something that does this to a, a cow killer? A secondary parasitoid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And so, you have, uh, you know, so many examples of that in entomology. Because yeah. there you go. There's that checks and balances. Right. That's keeping the populations. Right. Level. 
you know. So I find it interesting too that it's not just one species of velvet ant that we have, one species mm-hmm. of cow killer that we have. We have multiple different ones in this area. Yeah. And I mean, they are beautiful. Um, but back back to that redheaded centipede, uh, you know, that thing, I'm telling you, was one of the more interesting insects that we have caught and observed. Another one was we caught a, I believe it was called a mouse spider. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're familiar okay. with these. They live underground. Not sure that common name. Yeah, I don't know the. I don't know the uh, the the. The trap door? It's kind of like a trap door. Okay. But they live around here. Okay. Yeah, it, it does the same thing. Trap door li- yeah. is found here. Okay, so maybe we're talking... Uh, the it builds a tunnel. Builds a tunnel. And it has a, a yeah. silken flap. Yeah, silken flap. And it's sitting there at the top. Yep. Looks and like And when I'm... something triggers, mm-hmm. trips a trigger web, right. it it comes out. Yeah. Yes. And it looks yeah, about, that's the, our trap about, door spider. about the size of a, yeah, a small mouse. Yeah, that's our... Yeah. Uh, that's our uh, that's our tar- our tarantula, right? Yeah, it's the same family. Yeah. No. No. Do we? We don't have scorpions here, though. No. Not. Not. I in, have never seen. Not them. in. I've never seen them. Right. If we have. If we have, or they're localized. You know. Yeah. I don't think we do. Brought in by. Now, whatever. when I was in South Carolina, we had them, just a little small Tiny, ones. Yeah. But, but I've never seen one here. Right. Yeah. And Somebody asking, might have, but yeah. I haven't. Yeah. And I've looked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I I just I just think it's so fascinating though that you when you start to it's like mushrooms or dendrology with trees or anything else, but with insects in particular, it is a lifelong, never ending quest of knowledge. You can never know Oh no. You can never know what no. you don't what you can never know what you don't know about insects. Yeah, there's that much right. to know about that's, them. That's why there's so many specialties. Even in this area, entomology, you can't you get know. bored in this area. Are, be, are there certain ones? You can be in physiology, morphology, taxonomy, whatever. Right. You know, uh, uh, agricultural. You know, there's so many different. So do you when you collect? Areas. Now you've you said you've kind of retired a little bit, pulled back on collection yeah, a little I, bit. I've generally, you know, lost that killing instinct. You uh, know, I don't yeah. hunt anymore. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd rather observe them, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and then keep them alive and mm-hmm. observe them for a while and then let them and go. propagate. Yeah. Help propagate. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any, though, I guess what I'm getting at is, is there any one um, particular around here that you're just like, oh, I, I never caught that one and I've always wanted that or, or I never collected that one or there's one that's... Very few. I would there's figure. A, there's but, a... There's some that, you know, you just have probably one opportunity in a lifetime to, to collect. Uh, what does that mean? Well, like, like one year at Clemson, uh, the, uh, I was the <clears throat> uh, student under the, the state entomologist at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Clemson's the land-grant college. So, you know, he gets all the insects from all over the state. You know to identify, right? And uh, and funny story, oh, you know, going off on a little tangent, he was sitting there one day with his microscope, and he had a larva underneath there, and uh, he was looking at it. He had all his books out. He has, you know, uh, Peterson's guide in a, to the immature insects. You know, right? Yeah. And oh, he was he was just oh he was concentrating Audubon's on that and all that. So I come I. I lean down there and I look over his shoulder, and I go, "Oh, interesting! You have a hair streak larva that somebody sent in on their peas, don't you?" And and he looks at it and looks at the label, and looks up at me. He <laughs> says, "Sit down here." <laughs> and so from then on, I was the state entomologist. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so I identified when he'd get a pile, he'd bring me in, and I would That's so I cool. would tell him what they were. Yeah. And I've known I've, I've studied them so long. I, yeah. I knew what they were yeah you know they yeah. just it's one of those things that sticks in my head i wish something more useful had but 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 insects do but i was going to say uh, somebody called and said that he had an old tree that fell hollow tree in a cow lot and he had these huge white worms inside this tree well i said we've got to go up there so so dr gorsuch and i drove up there 
And sure enough, it was this old rotten tree that had fallen over. The cows had finally pushed it over. Inside <clears throat> were tens, one hundred, but it was pretty close, of last instar Hercules beetles. And, of course, these things are this long, you know, a big around is just about as like a half dollar. Wow. Quarter to a half dollar. Huge larva. And I was just picking these things just like I was picking fruit or something <laughs> and putting them in a container. Yeah. And <clears throat> I've never had that before, and, never, and I hadn't since. No, that's a once-in-a-lifetime. Yeah, once-in-a-lifetime thing. So these so, Hercules, what did you do with the larva? I mean, obviously you, I, you I, reared I them. I reared them. I, I took enough of the... Uh, substrate the, the detritus whatever mm-hmm. inside the tree mm-hmm. and uh, mixed it with with wood mm-hmm. oak wood and reared them out they and they pupated pretty quick quickly after their I think their lifespan as a larva is like three years oh wow so so see that yeah. was unusual then yeah so uh, and and uh, I reared them out I kept some uh, I kept some of the larva and the pupa because you know you don't find those very often uh, I let many of them go, you know, back to nature, right? Uh, which I like to do if I collect anything, right? And so, uh, and kept a few of the adults. Yeah. So anyway, that was that's pretty neat. Yeah. You know, in one year too, I went up to a stream, rocky stream up there in South Carolina, and there was a massive hatch of Dobson flies, and you know the big. Huge neuropteran, you know, okay, yeah, with the, and the big, great, big jaws, yes, you know, yeah, with the aquatic, oh, yes, you know, the larvae the the are called helgramites. Uh, that's right, yes, you know, yes. fishermen love them, right? But it was a huge hatch of these things, and they were just all over the building and everywhere. So I collected a whole bunch of those. What? And they're scary looking. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the funny thing, the males look like they're they're wicked with these inch long jaws, but it's the females that bite. So males can't. Ha, have you ever kept bees? I did. I was the beekeeper at Clemson. But, you know, I don't like honey that much. And, you know, bees now are very time intensive, you know. Eh, and depends so on, depends I, on how you're No, I, I, I don't enjoy that that yeah, much. Yeah. I've got a hive. I mess with them once a year. Yeah. I, I treat them and collect them yeah, all in one day. And then the rest of the year, I just mm-hmm. let them be so, do their thing. So do you have to? Uh, let me ask you, yeah. beekeeper. Do you yeah. do anything special for because of the varroa mite? I prefer but, Okay, Doctor. Okay, okay, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Do I, do I do, yes, yes. Yes, I treat them for varroa mites. Okay. Yeah, All I right. treat them for varroa okay. mites. All right. I, I have a buddy, um, John Harrison. He comes out and helps me. Okay. Out. Yeah. Um, he's he's been the guy that has drilled into my head hands off beekeeping hands off beekeeping once a year mess with them don't go out there and, and <clears throat> mess with them yeah right now we have a problem with skunks so if you oh, keep yes. bees you're gonna have a problem with skunks oh yeah yeah so yeah. and me being a hunter i have this weird goal i think i've mentioned it on the podcast before but i'll mention it again i have this weird goal of i want to hunt kill and eat mm-hmm. everything there is a season four in the state of Tennessee, which is quite a bit. And I know it changes every year, but they haven't taken or added anything for quite some time, so as far as animals are concerned. But striped and spotted skunk are on that list. So, and to hunt a skunk means I'm going to have to learn a hell of a lot about skunks. Because I just hunted an otter and killed an otter. It'd be the only one I'll ever kill. Uh, But it took me about three years to figure out how to hunt an otter. And okay. call an otter to yeah. me, and to yeah. get an otter on the bank, and then uh-huh. to shoot it. So, uh-huh. which I kept the pelt, and we ate it, and we did the whole nine. But okay, interesting. I'm, I'm going to have the I'm going to have to do this with a skunk. I could set traps for them because I don't want them to destroy my bees, obviously. But I'm also thinking, hmm. and you don't want it to spray, do you? Well, so my dogs have been sprayed four times. Yeah, they and spray. We, yeah, and we have a dog door, so our okay. dogs just come and go as they please. Uh-huh. So about two in the morning, you get woke up. The entire house, <clears throat> all the kids, wife, everyone. You, and there's no going back to sleep because the dogs have been skunked, and it's that powerful of uh-huh, an odor. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I know the uh, – uh, Jonathan will make a good pioneer. 
Yeah, I, I think yeah. I would make a terrible one. I, I don't know. I think I would make a terrible one. Do you dude, need I a need, scup now? That's pretty good. Dude, I, I need I need AC, first of all. I need air conditioning. Well, <laughs> like, uh-huh. yeah. well that's true. I too. need DEET. Yeah. I need DEET. Yeah. I have to. The Pioneers didn't have DEET. I need DEET. Ticks, man. I'll get a but tick. But they probably had something that they used to. I know. I tried mm-hmm. all these hokey pokey things, yeah. man. There's yeah. nothing with sea ticks mm-hmm. like DEET, man. DEET just, and I know it's going to give me cancer, but, dude. I know. I can get a tick. You got to have it. Grocery shopping in Kroger. Mm-hmm. I can pick out a Christmas tree at Lowe's and come back with a tick. Yeah. I mean, they're just, it, it's, I'm bad. I, I, mean, I, can, I can smoke poison ivy and not get it. Yeah. But I, I can find a tick anywhere. I hate them. They're like mm-hmm. the worst. I hate ticks. Yeah. And now, and now with the, uh, uh, you know, it's the longer they stay on you, it's the, the longer you get all these diseases. So when I go in the summertime, when I go, when I get sick or something, especially in the summertime, I just go to my doctor and he's just like, I'm going to give you antibiotics because odds are you have some tick-borne disease. Oh, yeah. Whatever it is. because there's There's hundreds yeah. of them. People don't understand. It's not just Rocky Mountain Spotted Feeder. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doxycycline oh, is I'll like. Keep oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. of you, the tick-borne illnesses. Uh-huh. There's hundreds that they have, and it's all dependent on the amount of time that they stay on your body. Uh-huh. It's like Alpha-Gal is one that's going around where it is actually a prion, from what I understand, and don't quote me on this. I'm speaking out of out of pocket here, but Alpha-Gal is the one that makes you wear the meat. Are you familiar with that one where you eat red meat and then it like you have a allergic reaction to the red meat? No. Yeah, so, so there's a disease. That, but that's th- not a prion. It, that's well, not, you're not, not talking about a prion. So Prion is like is a uh, misfolded protein. Yeah. So yeah. Th- what I'm it's saying like is cow disease. Correct. And, what and I chronic wasting is, disease. Like chronic wasting disease. What I believe is alpha gal is a prion disease. Oh, I believe. Interesting. I believe. And as a result, as a result of this, because what it's doing is it's actually changing your. From what I understand, it changes your biochemistry to where, where you eat red meat. You actually or or. Some people, it's even shellfish. It's, it's any meat, any any mm-hmm, animal mm-hmm, protein. Mm-hmm. They get violently ill. Well, I hadn't heard of that. Yes, yes. So what's super fascinating to me is I just read this interesting article where this tick-borne disease, alpha-gal, which people in Henry County have. I know several people that have it. It's miserable. You know, you can't eat steak, can't eat mm-hmm. bacon. Imagine that. It's just, you know, if yeah. you're a meat eater, it's just yeah. not a good thing. Um, but they have realized by studying uh, alpha-gal, the disease, that they can turn on and off. And this is where I believe the prions come in. They can turn on and off certain uh, protein, certain animal proteins and animal cells. So for the first time in human history, because of the discovery of alpha-gal, we are now transplanting animal organs into human beings, and human beings are actually accepting those animal organs because the alpha-gal has turned off that protein switch that causes them to reject Interesting. it. So we've done pig valves and mm-hmm. things like yes, that, yes. but that's uh-huh. not an actual organ. Right. There's a very big difference between I, an organ. I read something about there was a recent article on that. They did I a kidney on it. a man that was I didn't read it in, all, but that would right. be interesting to So to they read. did a kidney, and they they put the kidney on the outside of his thigh. Mm-hmm. This this man was terminal. He was going to die, but he donated his body to science. And they put it on – they attached the kidney, the pig kidney, to the outside of his thigh because – they could. They needed to be able to see it because it would turn black mm-hmm. if it was rejected within minutes. Right. And Interesting. and it actually did not. And it was successful. Yeah. And it was from a pig. And it was because of this tick-borne pre. I believe it's a preogenic disease. Hi, that's it. What do you know about CWD? You speak on. Well, you said something about CWD. I mean, because well, pre, prions to me are just this prions devilish. Are, yeah. Well, it's it's a it's it's not a living thing. It's not a living it's thing. Like a virus. Viruses are not living. Right. Viruses are, are, are a molecular parasite, right? And and this basically the prion is too. It's a it's a bit of protein, but different. Yeah, oh different. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, a, yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally different. Yeah, and we make them totally, constantly. but they're different. We make them constantly, just like cancer cells. Yeah, we constantly make these things. Yeah, and then our body constantly uh, rejects these things. Yeah, you know, the one thing about the prion, especially they're telling us with this chronic wasting disease, is they they can survive temperatures up to. 900 degrees. Have you heard that? Yeah, because it's not a living organism. So you can't cook it out of your meat. You can't freeze know, it out of your meat. That, that's just, you, you know, can't I don't understand that. Chemically. proteins generally denature no matter what the protein is. They're all made out of 
you know, of, of the same of material amino acids. Amino acids, right. There's only like 21 amino acids. Right, right. You know, they're all made out of the same amino acids. Right. And proteins generally denature at a, you know, much, you know, little boiling point or a little above. You know, From, some can survive right. higher temperatures, extremophiles, uh, the, the archaea. But, uh, you know, I don't understand how anything could survive 900 degrees. So, anyway. I, so, yeah, you have to have, have an autoclave. mechanism for that. So, so you have to have an autoclave. They can't, to, en- they can't encapsulate. Right. Not, they don't have the capability. Right. So, I don't know how. So, this, so that's is, interesting. this is what I have come to understand about what they do is essentially is much like a, a living genetic code that they basically fit into a receptor um, of the cell that then is almost like a code that then causes that cell to do a certain function or replicate in a certain way. Right. Yeah. Replication. So so, so that's, that's what I, that's what I have come to understand about how they, how they work. I know they were, it was first discovered in human beings in Kuru disease, which was in Papua New Guinea, the Rockefeller uh, Research Foundation had a uh, place down there, and they were the first to discover it in human beings, and that was back in the 20s, 20s or 30s, something like that. Mm-hmm, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what's interesting about that is the people of Papua New Guinea, which there's about 2,000 languages on that, so the people aren't anywhere close mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the same types of mm-hmm. people, which is interesting. We say they're all the same, but they're, they're very diverse. Yes, yes. But they have no uh, oral recollection of Kuru actually mm-hmm, existing. Mm-hmm. So this is a very new thing that yeah. came into the human population. It's a very new thing that came into the deer population. Um, there's a white paper that was just published in 2021 uh, that was showing that CWD can actually infect primates. So it can actually, the mechanism for reception can actually infect primates. And so for those of you that aren't listening that are like, well, I don't deer hunt. This doesn't affect me. When the deer dies, these tiny, tiny, tiny things that aren't alive have been found in our water sources. They get down into the water system. Well, if this thing (laughs) ever gets transmissible to humans... That's going to change. Oh, we're done. Uh, the whole it's going to change the whole picture yeah, because you sure don't. You, there's no coming back. So when That's you right. when you get a prion disease, for those are, are prion. I don't know how to say prion. It. That is what I say. Okay, you're the you're the no, I'm, <laughs> you're the doctor. Don't quote me. It's the prion. So when you get a prion disease, um, uh, and it causes encephalitis, which is swelling of the brain. Um, it's a very brutal, horrible death. There is no cure. There is absolutely no, no cure. No, Once you start exhibiting symptoms, that's it. You're gone. You're done. It's one yeah. of the, the, the abbreviations, eat, I forget, but what's spongiform? Spongiform. So it makes your brain spongiform. Yeah, that's right. It makes it like a big sponge. Yep, puts so. holes in, all through your brain. So you start hallucinating. You start seeing things. It's a, And then your body starts contorting as your brain breaks down yeah. from this. And so, yeah. So these things dying and getting into our water supply and this, you know, I, I, as a hunter, have retired eating deer over the last two years. Yeah. We primarily eat wild game, but because I can't field test them. No. And no. so I've got to send them away, and I do my own, all of my own processing. And so I can't eat my awful, I can't eat any of the liver or heart or anything like that until it's tested, which yeah. is by that time it's no good because it's been frozen and all that. And so, as a hunter, I've been faced with this ethical obligation where I feel like I should be shooting deer and donating them to the sheriff's department because the sheriff's department tests the deer and then has a giveaway for the meat. Mm-hmm. And it would be helping the deer population by reducing, yeah. you know, and I tell hunters, stop putting out blocks. Everyone does it. Stop putting out blocks. Stop piling up corn. Mm-hmm. Stop giving a place where deer can saliva can meet one another and transmit this disease. Yeah. But what they don't realize, because everyone's after that buck, and, and you know people that grow bucks. Yeah. If you're a hunter out there, you know the lingo we're talking. Mm-hmm. You're growing bucks. If you're growing bucks, there's a, you can do it all different ways without having a communal source yeah, yeah. where deer can share saliva. We try. 
We try to. Yeah. We try to let them walk, you know, yeah. if they're, you know, eight pointers or whatever. Right. We try to let them go. Right. But so. if you're making a spot where you're pouring corn throughout the year and they're all going to that same spot and they're oh, yeah. sharing saliva, yeah. that is where you're spreading. Well, the, you know, yeah. of course, the same, you know, to make it, a, to broaden it a little bit, the same laws that govern, you know, diseases in deer governs diseases in humans. Correct. You know, as we overpopulate, you know, uh, diseases and whatever, these new things are going to come up. Absolutely. And it's un- really only diseases in and humans come from, a lot of them are, are zoological in yeah, nature yeah. because of our close proximity we are, with animals. We're creating this yeah. epidemic. Yeah. You know, just like yeah. we create the, if we let the deers, you know, of course that's a, called epizootic. Right. Uh, you know, we're creating those by. Yeah. And, and we've done that by giving the deer and, and of course, insects and, and arthropods, whatever, an these endless food supplies right you know we're feeding our deer corn and soybeans and whatever right you know they're going to overpopulate if we let them right yeah and and that's why we have a quota of that's why we have a quota of you know you can take three dough a day in in henry county i mean that is a lot of deer that's a lot of deer that you can take, and yeah. we need to. And I, so, I, my moral, my moral dilemma is: okay, I'm not hunting because of CWD, but really, what I need to be doing is I need to be knocking down the deer population, shooting some does, shooting yeah. some scrub bucks, yeah. taking them up to the sheriff's department. There's there's people that are older that can't hunt anymore that like the taste of deer meat. There's people that are in need that want to eat deer. There's people that just want to eat healthy that don't have access to deer meat. So yeah. it, it's a win win win. I'm just. Well, I just I just asked the lady at the at the slaughterhouse. I won't make mention the name, but the new one, and she said they already they processed fifteen hundred deer. Wow! And those all legally have to be tested. Uh, yeah, in the yeah. slaughterhouses. I, yeah. you know, I know the ones that we saw were. I don't know if they do all of them. I think I they have to. I, I think they have to now. Okay. I well, think that's they good. have to. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Especially if I'm eating jerky. You know, I, I kind of want to know. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. You can't salt it out of the uh, meat. I know. You can't. You can't. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. my gosh. You're not cooking it, so. Let's end so, this yeah. podcast on the worst possible note. So we're all doomed with CWD. Yeah. This is coming out of the words yeah. of Dr. Glenn Lee. Glenn Lee, thank you for dooming us all. With okay. Are we done? <laughs> Oh, we done. I, I had a lot more. I had a lot more. No, uh, I've enjoyed having you right. on. Thank you for having. Thank you, know, you for being one here. One thing you mentioned ticks. Yeah, you know, of course, I get asked a lot, very often. You know, what purpose is a tick? You know, what purpose is a mosquito? Right. You know, what good are they? What bad are they? And I said, well, you know, the thing about it is, with nature, it takes human beings to create good and bad, mm-hmm. and beneficial and harmful. These are it all. It takes humans in nature. It's just checks and balances. These are all if values. If there is a vacuum, nature's going to find something right. that's going to occupy that vacuum. Right. You know, and if it's a great big blood supply or whatever, mm-hmm. nature's going to take advantage of it. Right. You know, another thing, oh, I often get asked, I ask, what's the most harmful insect? And everybody will say, you know, whatever, Mosquito. you know, mosquitoes and whatever, you know. Or, or actually, what do we spend more money on to control is what I ask. Right. Because, it, you know, basically, you're right. Insect is the, is the, most, is the most harmful organism. Period. Period. Is the mosquito. Yeah, mosquito. Killed more humans than yeah, anything else. That's right. Even humans. But <laughs> as far as control of what we spend money on, and finally somebody will say the termite. Uh-huh. That's right. So, you know, term, termite, that's true. Now, I asked then, okay, on the other hand, what's the most beneficial insect we have in the world? And, you know, everybody will say bees and uh-huh. whatever. And I say, finally, somebody will catch it and say, the termite? And I said, yes. Yeah. The termite's the most beneficial insect in the world they're, from a natural viewpoint. They're breaking Because down they're that. the major decomposer right. in the carbon cycle. Yeah. Well, don't the discount mycology. One. Huh? Don't discount the. Oh, the, the they're okay. The they do all right. The fungus they do okay. do a good they're job. slower. A little slower. They're, they're slower. Yeah, they're slower. Uh, <laughs> Don't discount but, their work. But yeah, the, the termite. Yeah, yeah. And so, what's also interesting is to br- bridge the two together before we end this beautiful podcast that yeah. I love the leaf cutter ant. Yes. The leaf cutter ant grows beautiful. mushrooms. Yes. 
The sure leaf does. cutter ants, for those of you who don't know, it's a fungus. It's a farmer. It, it's a farmer. It uh-huh. gets those leaves. It it then puts them in a specific environment them up. to to grow yeah. a fungus. That's right. And eats that fungus. And, that's and you how have it specialized uh, orders of the ants. Some of them are very very tiny, and their job is to remove any impurities in their in their crop. Their their fungus crop. So there's different farmers. Oh yeah, there's different there's different sizes from tiny ones to the big soldiers, you know, whatever. Yeah. And their jobs are to you know they have a specific job. Yeah. And one of them is to keep that crop of, of fungus as clean as possible. Yes. Yeah. I love so, it. So so yeah. Oh, we could talk all day long. <laughs> we could talk for a week. So, well, thank you so much hey, for coming on here. Hey, you're welcome, guys. Uh, thanks again for watching the Logical Podcast. Big shout out to Mike Weatherford. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest once again, Dr. Glenn Lee, good friend of mine. Thanks for coming on here. He he came on in like a two-hour phone call, so I gotta I gotta put it out there. I've really enjoyed. No it. preparation. Whatsoever. No preparation whatsoever. <laughs> so, anyways, keep Big watching, surprise. guys. <laughs> thank you so much. See y'all later.